Amen, amen. We are gathered here today and the Holy Spirit is in this place. I'm grateful, I'm excited, I'm ready to preach. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> our, our passage this morning is Nehemiah chapter eight, verses one through four. That's what will show up on the screen, but I will continue to read verses five and six because I really want you to listen to what it says. So just like our video, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gates. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud until daybreak, till noon as he faced the square before the water gate and in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Matea, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. On his left, on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Maljija, Hasham, Hashbadana, Zachariah, and Mashalom. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above him. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So how many of you believe that God is a God of abundance? How many of you believe that God is a God who is rich? One of the most perplexing truths is a question that I have to ask in our first few moments together. Is God more than enough? If God is more than enough, then why are we always running on empty? If God is so rich, then why are we always crying we don't have enough? If God has everything and we belong to God, then why do we always seem to have nothing? See, it is through the Holy Spirit and the scriptures that God brings people to abundant life. Look around you. This community is an extension of your immediate family. It is a resource in a time of celebration and a time of need. See, the book of Nehemiah is commonly known for the narrative of reconstruction of a wall. 
it was torn down in the midst of a war. But here in the opening of chapter 8, where all are gathered together to hear the word of God, not only are the Israelites gathered as worshipers, they are gathered in community. They are with their families, their friends, their neighbors, and their loved ones. See, these are people who are in the midst of transition and taking the initiative to seek spiritual revival. It is an extension of their faith, and they're doing this in order to celebrate life. This passage is an observation of one of the feasts commanded by God, and you will find it in the book of Leviticus. It was a celebration that lasted 23 days. Might be a little like Mardi Gras. And it is longer than any of the other feasts mentioned in the scriptures. See, I can only imagine it sounded like the parade that seemed to pass through my living room last night. And it also reminds me of that old Cool in the Gang song. You're familiar with this. Played at almost every wedding event. You know the one, celebrate. There's a party going on right here. A celebration, you know you want to sing it. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We're going to celebrate and party with you. But see, it's been roughly 300 years since the Israelites were able to celebrate in this manner. But for Israel, this was truly a worship experience. So you already know that chapter 8 is traditionally about the observance of the Israelites' feast and celebration. However... This passage, like most of the Bible, is also about relationships. It says in verse 1, all of the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Ezra, as a priest, as a scribe, could interpret and teach the book of the law. He had a relationship with God, and the Israelites knew they could count on him. They didn't ask Ezra to come. They told Ezra to come. Some translations said they called on Ezra, but it really doesn't matter because Ezra was ready. He was a resource and an extension of the Israelite community. Ezra didn't have to go. But he understood his purpose for God's people, and he was prepared to go where he was needed. The way the Israelites have called on Ezra, God is calling on us. Calling on us to be a resource for each other. Calling on us to be an extension of family and community for others. See, being aware of the Holy Spirit constantly tugging at our hearts helps us to be ready to serve and go wherever and whenever we are needed. Ezra in Hebrew means help. And he is referred to as a type of Christ. See, through his teachings and his willingness to be available, his willingness to serve, and his willingness to be in connection, 
He was called upon, and that makes him like Christ in many ways. We need to understand when Ezra was called upon, the Israelites knew they could call on the one to help them celebrate. They knew they could call on the one who was their ever-present help. They knew they could call on the one who would bring the word of God to help those in need. They called on the one, in essence, who could stand by me. He was ready to go. He was ready to move. He was ready to walk boldly in Christ, answering God's call. We are called to be in ministry to the world. We are called to be the Ezra's as an extension of our family and our faith. We are called to celebrate together in the good times and the bad times. We need to know that sometimes I may be your Ezra and you may be mine. Bruce, you may be Austin's Ezra. And someone else is someone else's. So you, we need to think about these things because sometimes we want to do things on our own. And yes, we can. But let's pay close attention to this passage because when you think about it, Ezra was not up there by himself. Christ did not go by himself. And Ezra, as a type of Christ, did not go at this alone. And sometimes in reality, our immediate family is not enough. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for this occasion. Now let's look at these Hebrew names that follow. Now I've already read them once and thank God I don't have to read them again. But I need for you to pay attention and to listen closely. See, when the Israelites called to bring the Holy Scriptures, Ezra called on the ones he could place his trust and stand in his sacred space with him. I'm not saying that your sacred space is a pulpit, but Ezra was called on. He called on others who had a purpose in his life. He called on those who were not witnesses He called on those who were witnesses and not judges and attorneys because we know we have people like that in our life that when we call on them, they judge us rather than being a witness to what we are going through. He called on those who helped not only to keep him on track, but to go with him on his journey. So for a moment, I want you to check yourself in your space. Who stands next to you in your time of need? And who are you standing next to? See, when the Israelites built this platform, it was large enough for 13 other people who couldn't hide in the shadows. As Ezra stood before the people, those who stood by him were visible to all the people as well. Ezra had six on one side and seven on the other. Matithia, the first Hebrew name that is mentioned, means gift of God. So the first one who stood next to Ezra was the gift of God. See, I don't have time to go over all these translations, but I do know that each name mentioned in this passage 
has a specific meaning. Ezra did not call on Tim the tool man. He called on Shema, who is translated as the witness in Hebrew. Ezra called on one named God has answered. Ezra called on Yahweh is my light. So he had standing next to him the witness. He had standing next to him the gift of God. He had standing next to him God has answered. He had standing next to him God is my light. He had standing next to him God is my portion. He had standing next to him the work of God. They stood by him. So I ask, who are you calling on as you journey and grow in sanctified grace? He had standing next to him, the king is God. He had standing next to him, the considerate judge. Who have you allowed to share in your sacred space as an extension of your family? Who? The last person named in this passage is Meshalom, which means friend. All these people, from the gift of God to a friend, who is standing next to you? And who are you standing next to? Just like we're celebrating in this worship service, the Israelites were also celebrating as well. When Ezra opened the book, all the people could see him. And they could see everyone standing with him. Because he was standing above them, he opened it and everyone stood up. Can everyone stand up? As he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. He never said a word. He opened the book and everybody stood up. You may be seated. See, this was true worship and reverence of God's words. Ezra had not begun to read. He had not begun to instruct. He had not begun to explain. All he did was open the word of God. Friends, we need to reverence God's word as we celebrate. We need to reverence God's words as we worship We need to reverence God's word even when no words are spoken. To stand and to know that God is present. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit and celebrate God's power to restore in your lives. But how do we do that? By opening the book, by opening the scriptures, by reading and studying and allowing the authority and power of God to cleanse and transform us by being in community with one another, by knowing who our extended families are. See, the scripture tells us that 50,000 
people were gathered together at the water gate. As Ezra opened this book, imagine 50,000 people. They just stood up. But we need to look even closer to this passage. See, the water gate is a place where oaths and justice were administered. But it was also symbolic of God's word washing over them. When Ezra did speak, they were cleansed. They were restored. They were transformed just like the blood of Jesus Christ does for us. So as they stood before this water gate, they acknowledged God in their lives. And what did they do? They worshiped. They worshiped. Ezra came to the celebration to restore and feed the people what they desired. God's word. When you come into this place, do you stand in expectation of receiving God's word and restoration and transformation in your life every Sunday you walk through those doors? But what happens during the week? See, Ezra's people, 50,000 people, they couldn't open the Bible. They couldn't open the scriptures anytime they want. We have it much better than they do. We can open the scriptures anytime we like. We can do a Netflix binge and then binge on the word as well. See, we need to understand that God is calling us to be an extended family to one another through the movement of the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures as we study, through our life together, through the community here at Dauphin Way. See, it is our sacred space our extended families, our worships, where we find comfort, courage, passages filled with prayers, love, God's grace, wisdom, and justice. We shouldn't wait until times are bad to open the book because that's what happens. We should open the book even in the midst of Mardi Gras and Super Bowl. (laughs) See, we open the book When it's time to celebrate and when we read it, we hear the joy of the Lord is my strength. When we open the book and read aloud, we know that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We have God's word at our fingertips. See, worship on our lips, through our extended family, your sacred space, you should be able to say, God is standing by me. Ezra was ready with a word of hope, a word of encouragement. He was ready with a word from God. So I say to you, as I finish up on this morning, you are being called to be the Ezra to your neighbor. You are being called to be the Ezra to your children. You are being called to be the Ezra to your community. You are being called to be the Ezra to loved ones. You are being called to be Ezra to the 
world. Our extended family is broad. We are a community of believers filled with God's love and God's grace. Let those people standing next to you reflect your relationship with God. Be ready to be called on. But when you go, don't forget to take with you the gift of Yahweh. Don't forget to take with you, Yahweh is my portion. Don't forget to take with you the considerate judge. Don't forget to take with you, God is my light. Don't forget to take with you the notion that you are being called to do God's good work. We are called as an extended family, not only to be there for each other, but to be there for the world. So pay attention to your space and be like Ezra. Be ready to go when called upon and ready to be Christ-like to the world. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word, which always tastes so good, but may not feel so good. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this time of worship. May we forever worship you on our lips, have worship with you during the day and know that you are with us. Let us know that we are an extended family for each other and for the world. We are here because of you. In Christ's name we do pray, amen.